Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. We're starting a new sermon series today called The Arrival. Everybody say, The Arrival. The arrival stems from the word Advent, which is a beautiful tradition of celebrating the coming of Jesus. It's a beautiful tradition that believers have done for years and years. And I thought it was appropriate to bring some tradition into the beginning stages of our baby church together and to do an Advent series. We're titling it The Arrival. And it just is simply a time in this busy season, this chaotic season in your life, to pause, to contemplate, to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. Let's not let it get old, amen? Let's let it be like this is the first time we're hearing of the miracle of Jesus' birth. You know, we're going to go through a couple different topics, hope, peace, joy, love, and on Christmas Eve, we're going to be talking about presence, the Emmanuel that God is with us. But today we're going to be talking about hope and what we believe about the arrival or the advent is we as believers are actually living in between the two advents. If you haven't heard this before, I want to explain it to you is when Jesus came the first time 2,000 years ago and was born as a baby on his birthday, that was the first advent that we celebrate. And then now we stand in between awaiting the final return of Jesus so that we can spend eternity with him. And that is the second advent. Are you with me, church? Have I lost you yet? We're coming up. So these are found in, in Luke 2, 11 through 15. And Jesus' return is talked about in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17. And so if you have your Bibles, pull them out. We're going to read along where you can follow along on the screens. Luke 2, 10 through 14. But the angel said to them, it's talking to the shepherds here in the fields, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. That would be a shocking thing to have an angel come, just like appear in front of you in the middle of a field and say, the Messiah is coming. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace. And on earth, peace to those who favors rest. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 17, it says this. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of our Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, those who are still alive and are left up will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, as we've heard this word today, I pray that it would be settled in our hearts, that we would understand our placement in the grand scheme of this plan. We would understand 
that you are coming again. We anxiously await your coming, oh God. So today, as we're starting into this Christmas season as a church, I pray that our ears will be open, our hearts will be softened. Lord, I pray right now that you'd anoint my words to speak and ears to hear it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. The title of my message today is Remember Hope. If you're taking notes, which I hope you are, we're a note-taking church. Go ahead and type that out. Go ahead and write that out. Remember Hope. We are 27 days away from Christmas, but who's counting, right? 27 days away. It's really hard in my house to forget that Christmas is coming. We have four kids. Uh, every day they ask, right, first of all. Secondly, for some reason, my mom always gets our kids these little toy advent calendars, right? Has anybody else gotten these before or the candies or whatever? We got one person. Awesome. You guys really love celebrating Christmas. It's awesome in here. They pull these out, and every morning, 6 a.m., they run into our room with these advent calendars and say, what number should we open next, right? So every morning, we're bombarded by four advent calendars. Brianna has this little advent calendar on our wall. So... 25 days away, we start moving the little, you know, the little magnet to the right days. Like, everywhere we are, I have a countdown on my phone, right? We have all these church events and everything. It's kind of hard, are you with me, to forget that Christmas is coming. Stores all decorated. Starbucks put up all these red cups, and they decorate. Everybody has decorations. Christmas is coming. It's hard to forget in this season. But, you know, I, I think of life at this time, and Outside of Christmas, we kind of live in a culture of forgetfulness. Uh, for me, I know that in my life, if I didn't have my phone in my reminders app, uh, you wouldn't be getting calls from me. You wouldn't be getting texts. I wouldn't be able to write my sermons. This really keeps my mind on track. What do I need to do today? I go to my reminders app, right? I, because there's just so much. I think because we live in a culture where we're bombarded on every side with so much content and so many things, that it's hard for us to remember every single thing. When I ask people how I can pray for them, I have a folder in my phone that I write down their prayer requests, right? It's, it's called Think Smarter, Not Harder. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to think about it. I can just go open it up. I can pray for your needs, right? I'm praying for Bobby right now, all of his needs, because I got him on my phone. You know what I'm saying? So really, it's, it's so convenient to have this. It's so convenient to be able to have all of these tools that keep us on track, you know, the other day, I forgot to tell Brianna something, classic, like, husband move. I just, I think, we, I asked her, I was like, what was the thing I forgot to tell you? Because uh, I was trying to figure out for this sermon what I needed to say. And, and she goes, well, which one? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, true. It was actually a pretty big thing. Uh, my grandpa had been in the hospital for three weeks, and I had been praying along with my parents, and I didn't tell her. Uh, it was pretty serious at one point, and we thought we were going to lose him, and I didn't tell Brianna really serious. You guys are just, you're, you're tough today. You know what I'm saying? I, I didn't tell Brianna. And then I tell her and she's like, what? You didn't tell me that? Guys, my grandpa is great. He's out of the hospital. He's doing fine. Okay. God is good. But I, it, it really just showed me how much I just forget. And we live in a time of forgetfulness. And that's why I titled this message, Remember hope and the hustle and bustle and the movement of your life and all the things going on in this season and the shopping and the holidays and going with friends. I want to encourage you. Can we remember hope? 
Because I really believe remembering has everything to do with hope. Hope actually wouldn't be a possibility if there wasn't something first to be hopeful for or to remember. The definition of hope is simply waiting for a certain thing to happen. A certain thing to happen. So in this season, we have to remember hope. So I want to jump back to our text in Luke 2, verses 10 through 14. It is the the coming of the Messiah. It is the very first advent. And this was prophesied in Isaiah 6 or 9, 6 through 7. And it says that there's a certain thing coming to pass. This was 700 years before Jesus came onto the earth. And this was prophesied, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Such a classic verse for Christmas. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end his reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So 700 years before this was prophesied about, and then the fulfillment of that promise of that prophecy comes to be. That which was hoped for came to be. Jesus came to save the world. The Messiah, the King, has come. And Isaiah was simply putting a roadmap together. He was putting an X marks the spot for the people to hold on to something, to remember that there's a hope that they can hold on to, that there was a Messiah coming. Now, I consider myself actually a pretty good driver. If you ask Brianna, she would probably oppose the idea and oppose my statement. Uh, you know, many times we're driving in the car and she'll sit there and like, like do the whole stomp on the ground. Like, <laughs> I stop every time, okay? But I, I consider myself a good driver. I stay in my lane. I don't get in accidents that much, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't get in accidents, it's fine. The reason I consider myself a good driver is I'm one of those people that if I go somewhere once with maps, I never have to use maps again. Do we have anybody else like that in here? That's right. Somebody goes, yeah. (laughs) Never again do I have to use maps if I'm going somewhere. I just remember what the numbers are, remember what the turns are, remember what's on the side of the road, what stores are there, and I know I can make it to this thing, which I would consider that to be a good driver, but you know. Brianna maybe doesn't, doesn't think that so much. That's okay. But I tell you that is simply just to bring up the idea that we as believers have been given this roadmap. We've been given this X marks the spot. And the lovely thing for us is this, that it's already been done once before. Jesus really did come. He really did give become a human on this planet and really did live a life so that he could become a sacrifice for us, died on the cross and rose again so we can trust in that. There is already a roadmap. There's already an X marks the spot. So when Jesus says he's coming back, we can trust that. Amen? Amen. We've been given the greatest roadmap, the the greatest collection of prophecies and now we just need to learn to follow it. We need to learn to await the next advent to take place. And 
When we jump to our next scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 17, it says this, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the loud command and the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet, the call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and after that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with him in the clouds. Let me just take a second to remind all of you again that Jesus is coming again. He came before, and he's coming again, and we have this hope. It is a certain thing that is going to happen in our lives, and it's prophesied about in Scripture, and now we are just in the waiting game, in the hoping game. I had a conversation with a guy this last week, and we got to sit down and talk about life, and for the last two years, uh, he's just kind of been sitting on his hands, not being a part of church, not contributing to furthering the gospel, uh, not really doing his devotions, not really having a life with Jesus. But this man is actually a world changer. He's someone that has an amazing gift set and can do pretty much anything in ministry, right? I mean, he can create content. He can produce music. He can preach the word. He can pray and and I'm sitting there talking to him, and it was such a hard conversation because I felt like there was a bit of a wall in him. I'm just asking, why? Why? What are you doing right now? Like, why aren't you contributing in church? Why aren't you being a part of this, right? And, uh, and he said, I don't know, just the last two years, I've just kind of been in a funk, and I'm, I'm going to wait until the right opportunity arises. I don't do well with people like this, if I'm going to be honest, because I just love to just go straight for the jugular, you know what I mean? Like, how can I convict you right now to get up and, like, change your life and make it happen? Because I'm like, you just got to pull it together. You got to get in church. You got to start, start start stacking chairs, right, Casey? If you got an issue, you just start stacking chairs and contributing to the kingdom of God. But he said that to me, and I pondered for a second, what do I say? And I said this to him, I said, you know, I think you've lost a glimpse of eternity in your heart. And for some reason, you're living a life for yourself and waiting for something to come rather than to catch a glimpse of eternity and an understanding that what you do on this earth has everything to do with eternity. Church, I want to tell you this as well today. One glimpse of eternity in your heart and you will receive purpose for your today. One glimpse of eternity in your heart, and you will receive purpose for your today. Everything is different. When eternity is your X marks the spot, your conversations look different. You wake up with purpose in your step. You sing songs with passion and with desire, meaning the words you're singing. Your relationships lead towards a goal of loving each other and helping others. Everything looks different when you have a glimpse of eternity in your heart. So we have to remember hope. The glimpse of eternity, the glimpse of the arrival, the second coming of Jesus. In Philippians 3, 13 through 14, Paul says it like this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ 
Jesus. See, when you look through the lens of eternity, everything begins to look different for your today. Your words, your actions, your faith, your lifestyle, your commitment, and all, all of this is for eternity and for eternity with God. And hope brings purpose and endurance through every trial and circumstance. It helps you hold fast to the end goal. You know, this last week, Brianna and I got to go to Washington State for Thanksgiving. Uh, we left like 4 a.m. last Monday. Uh, did church all weekend, went home, packed, got our kids up at 4 a.m. in their PJs and just started driving to the airport. Our day was pretty insane and pretty chaotic, and we, we ended up doing about 14 and a half hours of traveling. Now, we have four kids. We had six suitcases, four car seats to bring with us, four backpacks and a diaper bag and a baby strapped to Brianna. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else, anybody else want to go home for Thanksgiving with that? No thanks. <laughs> you know what it was, though? It's like it was pretty crazy at some times. All the kids in the plane like wanted to go somewhere. They're like, this, this looks great. I'm going to run here and I'm going to tackle somebody and I want to go watch their movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what kept us the whole time is we had it in our hearts, the fact that we get to go home and see our family. We get to go back and see our parents and we get to be uh, with family. And so at all those hard times, we had those things to cling on to it. Even coming back, can I tell you, it was even easier coming back. Most of the times when you're going to a destination, you're like, so excited, I can't wait to be there. It was even easier for me coming back, the drive. We have a three-hour drive to my parents' house. We have, you know, all these flights, a connecting flight, all this stuff. And it was even easier coming back because all we could think about is we cannot wait to get back to Florida, back to home. Back to church here with Grace City, Tampa. There's no other place we would rather be. You know, it was hard. It wasn't easy. It was a trial. But I really believe someone in here needs to hear this today. That you're on your way home. You're in between two advents awaiting the return of Jesus. And when it gets hard and when you get groggy, when you get tired, when you get burnt out, when you face trials of many kinds, you just have to remember that there is a certain thing to come that is certain. There is a certain thing to come that is certain. And Isaiah 40, 29 through 31 says this. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those, everybody say, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. And they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not be faint. Somebody needs to hear this today. But those who hope in the Lord, you've been tired, you've been weary, you've been burdened, you haven't been pursuing your calling, you've been feeling like maybe I'm just supposed to sit on the sidelines, I'm telling you today, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. If you need some strength today. If you need some endurance today, you need some stamina today, I tell you, church, it's when you hope in the Lord, he will renew your strength. We really do have to take a step of hope and have it be established in our hearts. And this verse in Isaiah makes it clear as day that when we hope in the Lord, 
We're no longer tired, weary, or faint, and we can live in the fullness of God's strength. So remember hope, amen? Remember hope. And I think a great way to look at hope is um, I have this little illustration, and I hope that it's good enough for you to visualize. I know it's kind of small. I like to think about hope as a planting of a seed. Because with planting of a seed, so often you do everything you can to prepare it, to make a way, but then you put it underground, and you hope, and you wait. You hope that everything you did becomes a plant, becomes life. And I really just want to walk you through these quick five points, and that is this. The first point when planting a seed of hope is to read the manual. When when you get a, a bag of seeds, when you buy a new plant, it would be silly for us to just try to understand how to do this plant without understanding what needs to go in, how much water, how much sun, what needs to happen. And the beautiful thing is, can I tell you this, church, that God has given you the greatest manual we could ever ask for. We have been given this manual to follow, to live by. And God's word is something we need to trust and live by. In Psalms 130, verse 5, it says this, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and I, in his word I put my hope. And Psalms 119, 114 says, you are my refuge and my shield, and I have put my hope in your word. Before you do anything else, before you just try to spring up hope from nowhere, start with the word of God. Read the manual of hope. And I tell you what, every step you take will come from that. Number two is ready the ground. When you come to planting, you'll find things, sticks, you'll find things in the way, weeds. And there's things that we as believers actually need to be removing from our lives, making room for this life to spring up in 1 John 1, 8 through 10, it says this. If we claim to be without sin and we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So we put his word in our hearts. We read the manual and then we ready the ground. We live lives worthy of the call ready the soil ready your heart to receive it number three you got to plant the seeds you got to get eternity in your heart and as an illustration you just can't put as many seeds in as you want we'll see how this goes guys you actually have to plant seeds in your heart it's not just something that's gonna spring up just because and it comes from the steps before, but really, I want to read this, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, if we really believe the prayer of Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then we need to understand that heaven can be now in our lives. And we need to simply live it out. When you live in the presence of God, when you operate in the will of God, you are bringing heaven to earth. When you worship him, when you pray, these actions that we do are planting seeds of eternity. Because what are we going to do for eternity? We're going to stand before the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And a couple of you are going to get some big mansions too. We've got to be in his presence and 
Number four is this. We got to water the soil. We got to water the soil. First Peter 4, 7 through 8 says, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray above all. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. How do we water is we do the will of the Father, and that's to love people with our actions, with our words. We love people. This is the reason that Jesus came. This is the reason he died on the cross is for people. So now that we've come into this alignment with his will and we operate as believers, our next step is to fall in alignment with what Jesus did and to love people, die to self, and help people along the journey. It's the heartbeat of God. It's the reason we're here. And number five is this, wait. Wait. See, Micah 7.7. This is them prophesying and waiting for the first advent. And he says this, but as for me, I watch in hope for the Lord. I wait. For God, my Savior. We just have to wait. When you're doing all the steps and we read the manual and we ready the ground, we prep our hearts, we live lives worthy of the call, we plant the seeds and get eternity in our hearts and operate like eternity is now and we water the soil and do the work and the will of the Father, then we just wait for his arrival. When it comes to planting a seed, it's such a, confusing thing because you try to do it the best way you can. But I tell you what, if you keep watering, you keep equipping, you keep preparing the soil and pulling the weeds that are trying to rob the life and the hope and the things within you, I tell you what, someday life will, will spring forth from this soil. And that's the same for hope in our lives. Hope is coming. The arrival is coming. It's on the way. I want to invite the band up. I don't know how people navigate life without this hope. I've been a, a believer since I was two and a half. I know that's kind of a cop out, like, ooh. But at two and a half, I, I asked my mom, how do I get Jesus in my heart? And I have never once in my life looked back. Uh, I have always known that God is real, that he died on the cross, and that there is eternity in store for me. So I don't know. I don't know how people go through life without that. I don't know how they navigate relationships and issues in their relationships without eternity in mind. The, the temporary struggles are, are too much. They're too heavy. And, and eternity is this thing we can hold on to. The hope we have, the arrival of Jesus is this thing we can hold on to that Though the struggles and the hardships might be hard now, we have a future ahead of us. I don't know how people navigate financial issues in their life without eternity in mind. I don't know how people navigate their work or their calling or their assignment or who they're going to marry or how to raise kids or all the things in life without the hope of Jesus. It seems too overwhelming to me to even think about See, without Jesus, you can have no true hope. You're going to put your hope in things that will fail. There is nothing that is constant other than God. Nothing. Nothing in your life. No relationship, no thing, no item. 
Sorry, your new car's gonna die someday. Hopefully it's a long day. We'll do it. The sun isn't consistent. The moon, and as much as we think gravity and all these things, we can try to come down to everything is constant. There's variables to everything. But Jesus is the only constant. God is the only constant that we can trust in. That his love will never fail. That he has a hope and a plan in the future for us. So last Monday, there was a, a man named Gus Goodman. Uh, we grew up with, with Gus. He was one of my youth leaders uh, from age 10 to age 18. I remember him always there at youth ministry being one of those guys. And, uh, you know, in many ways, he was like a, a spiritual father to me. And Brianna, even with uh, his wife, Dina, uh, got discipled by her in some of her most formative years as a believer and still looks back to her time with Dina as some of the most important in her faith journey. Amazing, amazing people. He was 58 years old. He had um, three kids, uh, four grandkids, and has been married 31 years. Monday, uh, this last week, we got news that Gus passed away. And it was a tough week. I remember, you know, even just like, it was almost a shocking week. And it hasn't even set in yet uh, that that happened. And he got sick, was in the hospital for a while, and passed away. You know, we were praying for the family, sending texts, you know, whatever we could do. Didn't want to bombard them. And two days after his death, his wife Dina gets on Facebook Live and I never go on Facebook <laughs> and I, uh, I chose to go on Facebook and, and just to see if they had talked about it at all. She gets on Facebook and she just has this strength about her. And I'm like, what? She's just talking with this confidence and she goes, you know, I've been getting a lot of DMs, people asking why I'm so strong and why I'm able to hold up in this time. And she goes, I'm not actually strong. My tendency is to go curl up on the bed and just wish that my husband was there. But she said this. She said, I actually am strong because Christ is strong in me. And I can stand up against this and I can say that nothing will waver my faith. And she begins to preach the gospel on this. And we're just sitting there. It was like a five-minute video, and Brianna and I are just like glued to the screen like, who does that? Who can stand against those kind of trials, those kind of hardships? Married for 31 years. So much life left in you, grandkids all around you. She even has the same sickness and is coming out of that right now. And she's standing in this video saying, strong because of Jesus in me. Then she goes on to read 2 Corinthians 12 8 through 10 and I'm like what kind of crazy person is this reading this scripture? But it says three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in weakness therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
Church, Dina had a glimpse of eternity in her heart. She remembered the hope of eternity. So when that trial came, when the persecution came, rather than cowering and fearing and running away, she stepped up to the plate and said, I'm strong because Christ is strong in me. Would you stand to your feet? today. I don't know where you're at in this journey, but I just pray in this Christmas season we can remember hope. We can remember the first Advent. And now as we celebrate the Advent season together, let's hold on to the hope which is ours, which is Jesus. Amen. He's coming again. His track record is good. His word is final. He did it once and he's going to do it again. step out in faith. So I'm going to count to three, and at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand if you want to give your life to Jesus, or you want to return to Jesus after walking away. One, know this, that God loves you so much. As we read about today, he sent his one and only son, because he loved you so much. He sent his son to die on the cross to cover all of your sins and iniquities, and you are made perfect in his sight. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you can get a glimpse of eternity, a glimpse of hope in your heart. Three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right here? Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on, can we celebrate the people raising their hands in this place? Let's celebrate this. No, come on, church. Can we celebrate this? People getting a glimpse of eternity, getting purpose for their day, for their today. We're going to pray this prayer together along with you, the three who raised their hands want to pray and believe alongside you. So if you would repeat after me, dear Jesus, come into my heart, make me a brand new person and give me a brand new start. Forgive me of my past. Give me hope for my future. I believe you are King. I believe you are Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's celebrate them one last time. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.